Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the DVM Divas podcast. I'm super excited for this episode because we have a guest host today, Dr. Ashley Bourgeois. She's probably more famously known as her Instagram at the DermVet, but we're super excited to have her. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Dr. Bourgeois is a 2010 graduate of the University of Missouri's College of Veterinary Medicine. She went on to Purdue to do her small animal internship and her residency with the Animal Dermatology Clinic in California. She became a diplomat of the American College of Veterinary Dermatology in 2014, and she currently practices dermatology in the Pacific Northwest via the Portland, Oregon area. Well, that alone is an impressive CV but she refuses to settle there. She bought into her current practice in about 2016, and she even helps to train their practice's residents. Then, in what little spare time she's got left, you can find her building her online empire, well, brand, at the DermVet <laughs> via social media and sharing her knowledge via CE, either in person or in the form of online live webinars, which I personally love. I even recently heard a rumor that there's a website and a podcast in the works. So talk about a superwoman. But even though she appears larger than life, those that follow her online know how down to earth she really is. Dermatology aside, she's also a self-proclaimed gym rat, a wife, and a mother to two beautiful babies. Her Instagram is a mix of derm, mom, wife, and wellness all rolled into one. Thank you again, Dr. Bourgeois, for joining us. And please continue to join us as we go beyond the stethoscope. Welcome to DVM Divas Beyond the Stethoscope. It's no secret that the veterinary profession is dominated by women. In fact, we make up over 60% of the workforce, and that number just keeps growing. But it's not just the numbers that are growing. Our stress and frustration levels are climbing at exponential rates. Between social media challenges, public misconceptions, and the constant competition with Dr. Google, we're finding it harder and harder to be happy and fulfilled veterinary women. Because of this, depression and suicide rates are at all-time highs in our little corner of the world. And in order to help us combat these things, we need an outlet. We need a safe place where we can open up and discuss all of the issues that we are currently struggling with. So listen along as we, the DVM Divas, discuss our trials and our troubles, as well as celebrate our wins and accomplishments. And join us as we forever test the limits of what it means to be a badass woman in the veterinary industry. So, who are we? Well, I'm Melissa. I'm a Kansas State grad and have been practicing for nearly 20 years. I have a mixed animal practice with my husband and one other partner. And I'm a mom to three very busy kids. One in elementary, one in middle school, and one in high school. Hi, I'm Annie. I too am a wife and a mama and a veterinarian. I am a Washington State grad that has done a little bit of everything as far as veterinary medicine is concerned. I'm really excited to be here, share my story, and get to hear your stories as well. My name is Maria. I am a full-time small animal veterinarian and a full-time mom to two beautiful little boys. Currently, I am practicing on the East Coast after trying our luck on the Front Range in Colorado for a year. After missing our family and, of course, the delicious food and the beautiful ocean, we decided to come back to Jersey, where we are finally home. Follow us on Instagram at DeviantDivas. Like us on Facebook and join our group at DeviantDivas Beyond the Stethoscope. Want to discuss something or interested in being a guest? Email us at admin at DeviantDivas.com or comment on one of our social media profiles. We hope you will come along and leave your stethoscopes at work and join us. Laugh with us 
cry with us as we take this profession back from discontent. Grow with us as we remember why we ever wanted to be veterinarians in the first place. I guess we'll start out with the basic. When did you first consider vet med as a career? What capacity did you think of? Yeah, no, thank you for having me. This is so exciting. And that was one of the sweetest intros ever. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I was the stereotypical fifth grader, loved animals. Uh, what's interesting is I actually didn't have very many pets growing up. My dad was, uh, was in the Air Force. So I moved around quite a bit, but I always just had this inkling um, for animals. I, in elementary school, went through quite a few career shifts. I think in fourth grade, half of fourth grade, I wanted to be an astronaut because I thought space was super cool. Half of fourth grade, I wanted to be an archaeologist because I think that we had like a dinosaur rotation of, in, in class. And then we had a career uh, day when I was in fifth grade. And I remember thinking, oh yeah, like I love animals. I didn't even think about that as being a career. And I pretty much never looked back after that. So it was definitely that little kid, the, that classic story of just loving animals and wanting to be involved with them. Oh, that's so cool. I love it. So did you always think you would be a vet or did you want something different or? Yeah, I was pretty sure that I always wanted to be a vet. Um, I definitely had no intention intentions of being an animal dermatologist. Um, <laughs> I, I knew that I wanted to do dogs, cats. And when I went into vet school, I figured dogs, cats, maybe a little equine. And then my path changed in vet school. Right. But I hear you still get to do some horses every once in a while. Yeah, I do. Um, I mostly skin test. So I will get requested to uh, skin test. It's not an, a ton, but I do probably a few horses a year um, where they, the equine vet, they have a history of urticaria, then we'll often go allergy test them. So it's kind of cool to still have that, that little equine um, part of it still thrown in there. Tell us a little bit about vet school. I know from listening to some of your other interviews and stuff, your fourth year experience was a little bit different than maybe everybody's. And I was really intrigued by it. Sure. So I went to the University of Missouri, as you mentioned, and there when I went, they we had a two-year clinical program. So essentially the way it was set up was the first two years when we were in the classroom, we had a shortened summer. So we only had like a six-week summer to make up that classroom time. And then we had one short block at the beginning of our third year, but basically by October of our third year, we were in the clinics. Oh, wow. Yeah, which was awesome because we got a lot of clinical experience. And the reason I really Really liked it uh, was the fact that we could create our own externships in a way like we had more free time so it was fine for me to give up portions of my first two summers because I knew that I was going to get the ability to do more free time like uh, externships or really go do what I wanted to do at other locations when I was in my clinical years so I had more knowledge from being in the classroom longer at that point great because where I went to vet school, we actually didn't have a full-time dermatologist. So I essentially created my own rotations. Like I went and did I think like at least three or four dermatology externships. By then I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I had the freedom to create that. And then when I could spend time with our dermatologist, I would. When did you pick dermatology? Was it the same kind of sitting in class aha moment that you had when you were in fifth grade or was it a little different? It was similar, but a little different. So it's actually pretty uh, entertaining. It was my first year. I fell in love with it pretty quickly. Oh, wow. Yeah, but what kind of started it was our associate dean was, was an anesthesiologist. 
And I remember he came in and again, we didn't have a full-time dermatologist. We had someone that uh, came in like every other week for a few days that drove in from Kansas city and he's wonderful, but he just wasn't there all the time. So I remember the anesthesiologist, the running joke was he'd tell people, you should really, really, you guys should consider being a dermatologist. Part of me thinks he was saying that because he wanted someone maybe to be full-time there, (laughs) but he said, as an anesthesiologist, I wish that I didn't have many emergencies and didn't have to work, you know, weekends if I didn't want to. And you don't have to euthanize very often. And so that was kind of the running joke. Yeah, that sounds like an awesome lifestyle. And of course, that's a really great benefit to it. But it's kind of started getting me thinking as far as what did I really want out of our profession. So I always joke that the anesthesiologist was the first one who actually put the idea of dermatology in my head. But then it progressed from there that when we had dermatology and when we had dermatopath, I loved it. And I think the big thing for me was it's really visual. I'm a very visual person. I also had the idea that I probably wanted to specialize because for me, I'm a very achievement driven person. Like I love to achieve things. And I think there's amazing general practitioners out there, but there was just certain things that I didn't love. Like I didn't love neurology. I didn't love like cardio. For me, I I realized that I wanted to be the person that was really good at one thing that could help other veterinarians because I was going to know that one thing really, really well. Yeah. So it was a bit of a journey to get to dermatology, but it started with the idea from the anesthesiologist. And then I love the visual aspect of it. And then it branched out from, you know, what it's become today. Like what advice would you give current students or somebody looking to specialize or maybe even somebody wanting to specialize in derm, like any really good tips for them? Well, everyone should want to specialize in derm because it is very cool. I will admit I hated it in school, but I love it now. So that is very typical. Is it? Yeah. And I will say like, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but that is kind of where the derm vet has come from. Mm-hmm. We'll dive into that later. But for me, for like students and thinking about what they want to do, my best piece of advice would be be open-minded and take it one step at a time because I am a person that often sets goals and wants to achieve things and wants to like cross things off my list. Sometimes I can get ahead of myself. And I think as I, you know, get older and have more experience and now be a mom and realize that I can't always just do everything. I used to always want to achieve the goal so fast and hard. I wouldn't just enjoy the process or I would, I just have to take it one step at a time. I need to just get past, you know, this one anatomy test today, no matter what, like, oh, I want to be a surgeon in four years, like just get past that anatomy test today. Take it one step at a time. And I would say be open-minded because I think most of the people I went to school with, a lot of them ended up doing something different than they originally had as their plan, me included. So just be really open-minded. Don't just, you know, roll your eyes at certain classes because you just have your eye on that goal. Like I knew that I probably wasn't going to be a large animal surgeon, but I have so much respect for that profession because we didn't track at my school. So we had to do everything though. I knew I was not going to do that. I have so much respect and understand at least a little bit of that life um, for my friends who do do that. So I could appreciate it, even though I knew that's not what I was going to do. And then I guess, tell us a little bit about like internship, residency, any good pearls from there or any funny stories, I guess. I could probably come up with a lot of funny stories. It's like a three-hour <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we could do part two. It's fine. Yeah, right. 
part two, three, four. I think an internship's a wonderful thing. I I had intern mates who didn't decide to specialize, but I think the amount of knowledge they gained from doing an internship really benefited them. But what I will say, there are a lot of really amazing internships, even if you're not sure what you want to do, but there are also bad internships, just like there are amazing mentorship opportunities in general practice. And then there's bad ones, you know, depending on what you want to do, an internship is not an internship. Like sometimes I'd hear people say like, it's just, it just have to do an internship. It doesn't matter. It, it actually really matters a lot. Right. So you want to make sure you research, you talk to people because a year goes by fast, but it's a really important year and you want to make sure you put yourself in a good situation. As far as a residency, make sure you truly love it. I am one that went straight through. I, you know, there's people who kind of come out for a few years and go back in. I went straight through, but I absolutely loved it. I love what I do right now every day, but I don't think people should hop into a residency if they're not completely sure because a residency is a lot. It's three years of just that one thing. And besides that, you're committing for the most part to do that one thing as as your career in our field. So if people aren't sure, then I think you should just take a step back for a year or two, get clinical experience, make sure that's what you want to do before you really decide to jump into not only a residency, but boards. And if you want to be quite sure, an internship, I feel like as long as it's a good internship, you get rotated through a lot of stuff, you know, depending if you do small animal or large animal, but a residency, like that's you kind of proclaiming what you want to do. So I feel like people should be really sure that's their passion if they're going to do it. Okay. Funny story from residency. Oh gosh. Oh. Well, okay. I won't say who it was because I don't know, like... Totally valid. But what's kind of ironic that sticks out a little bit was there was one time when I was doing my residency in California that unknowingly to me, I was seeing an Olympic swimmer, and it's not Michael Phelps, but someone very involved in the Olympic swimming world. Unbeknownst to me, I'd been seeing his dog for like five months. Like I'd done a video of colonoscopy, I'd done all this stuff. And then when uh, my one of my mentors like saw the name on my schedule, he's like, Oh my gosh, like, is that this person? And I was like, yeah, but it was one of the people who helped win the Olympic relays in Michael Phelps, his last like medal. Like they were behind him. I had no idea. And so like, he looked very athletic, but I had no idea the whole time that he told me that right before I went into the last recheck with this guy. And so then when I went in, I like was trying not to be like, Oh my gosh, like you helped get his last gold medal so I like had to keep it cool and I'm like in my mid-20s at this point so it was just kind of funny because then after that like we have we have clinics in like you know Los Angeles so some of my uh resident mates have seen like Betty White's very well known for going to one of our LA clinics and so my claim to fame is always that I saw like one of the Olympic swimmers dogs but it was funny because I had zero idea the whole entire time until the last where I was trying not to be like a fangirl the whole time. You also do coaching and the fitness coaching and everything. So when, where does that fit into your story? Like when did that start? Like, where's that at? That, as always, it's just an interesting way that that kind of got inserted into my life. Um, so I do beach body programs and I do beach body coaching and it's just kind of like this fun thing that a lot of us uh, are in a group together and keep each other accountable. The way that it started was I was already really into going to the gym at the time. I, I loved lifting weights. It was during my, the, I just finished my residency, but I'm always that person again, who's kind of up for the challenge or wants to just see something different. And I remember thinking, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm strong, but maybe not very flexible. And at that point I didn't really have a great appreciation for yoga. That's changed 
now I totally do. And that's probably just because I'm getting older. <laughs> I realize how important that is. And, you know, after having two babies, but at the time I was like, well, I don't know that I'll be able to focus in yoga. And so I wanted to do this Pilates yoga hybrid called Pio and my local gym had it, but it was like 3 PM on a Wednesday. Like I couldn't, it was when I was in the clinic. So my classmate at the time had, was a coach and mentioned like, oh, you could just do it at home. So that's kind of how I got thrown into it. I actually was still was, at that time I was pretty into wellness already pretty disciplined, but I just want to do something different. Well, then that evolved into just people asking me what I was doing. So I actually got even better results from doing that with my weight training. Um, and then I just intuitively love to help people. So I've kind of just done it as this little side hobby uh, for the last few years and I've loved it. Uh, it's been great. And now we just work out from our home. What's been great about it is though it kind of inserted into my life as just a way to get more flexibility. Now that's completely all that I do. And now at that time I had no kids. So I had plenty of time, quote unquote, I mean, it's still busy, but I had plenty of time to get up early, go to the gym, you know, before I went to work. Now with two kiddos at home, like we can't both leave to go do that. So it's really been amazing. And I'm really blessed that it fell into my life when it did, because now it's all that we do. And my husband and I, sometimes that's the only time we have during the day to ourselves because we get home from work, you know, it's get the kids to bed, get them packed for the next day. And because we get up at between 4.45 and 5 every day, like we need to go to bed. It's our only time together on some of those crazy busy days. And it's something healthy that we do together and keep each other accountable with. And I've completely turned him into a morning person. When we first got married, we were, he was not at all. He will be first to say he was totally a night owl. And now we have flipped and we're on a, a schedule together. So it's pretty cool how that world entered my life. It's given me um, some reconnections to people from vet school. Oh, how cool. Yeah, that we just have a group together and stay on top of it. And there's a lot of personal development stuff that's come from that community. And I guess one piece of advice I can say as far as being well-rounded or having other things you love outside of the event community is really important. And though I've never had this dream of just doing coaching and like leaving the vet field, like I love what I do with dermatology because I have that community that's taught me a lot about personal development and being healthy, especially going through two pregnancies. I truly don't think the derm vet would have existed if I hadn't done Beachbody because it just allowed me to say, you know, open up, share, connect. And then the derm vet only really in this past year has kind of become what it's on its way to becoming. And I, and it's the melding of learning different, I guess, mindset, different possibilities. Like you don't have to take your hobbies or what you love to do and compartmentalize them. Like you can learn things from all these other hobbies and things you do and make it, make it a part of your vet community or your vet life so that you can be the happiest you can be in those situations. So there's a reason it came when it did. And that probably sounds really corny, but it's true. And now, especially being a mom and having what I thought I didn't have a lot of time before. Now I'm just, you know, how, how do I get bedtime? Yeah. It's an amazing thing. So one thing I can say is if you have something, don't feel like you have to go all in. I've had friends who are like, well, I don't know if I'd want to do this side hustle or this whatever, because I don't want to just leave my career. It's like, you don't have to, like, you can just meld all those things together 
and just allow it to make you a better person. So this is a perfect time. We're going to dive into this mindset piece. I am really obsessed with mindset and our mindset in veterinary medicine and how it's kind of traditionally been and it's evolving and all these things. And it's one of the things that I noticed from stalking you like crazy on Instagram and then listening to your interviews and things. And even now you've just done a beautiful job of bringing it out. So I want to know, like, how do you define your mindset? And then how do you think you got them? Yeah, that's a great question. I think if I had to describe like my mindset, I would definitely say um, motivational. Like I, I, not only do I hope to be motivational in different aspects, whether that's teaching people to be better dermatologists or teaching people that you can be a vet mom and be really happy or, you know, that you can do whatever a healthy lifestyle looks for you. I think there's a million different ways a healthy lifestyle can look like. So I would hopefully say motivational. I listen to a lot of motivational podcasts and things like that to help with that. Um, I would definitely say positive. I mean, that doesn't mean you always have to be positive if you consider yourself an overall person, positive person. I guess the other way that I would say um, I try to set my mindset, and this has probably been more in the last few years after going through pregnancy and having kids, is I really try to be transparent. Transparent mindset to me means you were losing that, that necessity or that feeling that you have to be perfect. I think that's extremely important. And when I mean transparent mindset, it just means accepting that it's okay not to be perfect because I struggle with that. I am definitely, we said achievement. If you do the Enneagram, I'm like a three with a wing seven. So it means I'm super like, I got to do this. I got to utilize my time. I have to be productive. I have to achieve. But then a wing seven means that I often am like squirrel. And then so sometimes I have a hard time actually trying to achieve things, even though I, that's how I'm driven. So it's a dangerous mindset. I like to think it's a fun mindset, but it can be dangerous. But being transparent with that, like, because I don't feel like if we accept that, if you just try to be perfect, and this is why like the Instagram thing and Facebook, I do try to show when things aren't perfect because people always will send me messages and say, well, I don't know how you do this. You just have it all together. I don't at all. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm barely skating by to get everything done. There's five things I want to accomplish here this year that probably aren't going to happen. And that's real life. But if I don't talk about that, whether it's just, you know, on an Instagram story or just with my closest girlfriend or my husband or my mom, you bottle it up, bottle it up, bottle it up, and it's unhealthy. So that's probably been my newest form of mindset is just trying to be transparent and accepting my fault in the things that won't happen so that I don't completely burn out and become unhappy. So question you just talked about, and I've seen you do it. So I will verify that. Yes, you do what you say. When you talk about things like maybe you had a bad day or something didn't go well, you know, you talk about that, the downside of life. How do you balance? I mean, these people, like you want to be authentic and share with the, everyone what you're going through, but at the same time, it's like, don't want to be negative Nancy. Don't want to be negative Nancy or don't want to share too much. You know what I mean? Like depending on what it is. So how do you, how do you navigate that? Yeah, I think that's a great question because as much as I want to be transparent, I also am very quick to unfollow or not uh, be involved with people who are always negative. So it is, it is a fine line. And I think that line looks different for everybody. So as much as I do share like on different platforms, there's probably like 90% I don't share. Um, and that's just because as much as I don't mind being public and being out there, you know, I, I totally am not 
looking to be a Kardashian or anything like that. Like, I don't think, even though we have clients that sometimes can come and make our day really hard or be uh, really difficult, it doesn't serve anybody for me to just go on and rant that people suck and how can they not believe what we do and why don't they understand? I guess for me, there has to be a purpose to sharing it. If I'm going to share, like, I had a really hard day as a mom, uh, the purpose is probably going to be, okay, I'm sharing it because I want you to understand that if you had a really hard day with your kid, you're not alone. But I might not rant on, like, some dumb argument my husband and I had, you know, just to bicker, like, just to say, like, how could he think that? Because, you know, I may say, like, marriage is hard, but you you do have to find a fine line on what you're willing to share. My kind of philosophy lately has been share with a purpose and be offensive, not defensive. So I talked about this a little bit when I put up my post about the human dermatologist I saw. He didn't know exactly how long vet school was. So for those who haven't read it, so essentially I went to my own dermatologist <laughs> for the first time ever, I guess like a month ago, and he's a super nice guy. When I went in, they found, saw where I worked and he was asking me questions about it. And essentially it's like, oh, is vet school like, what is that, like two years? And you know, oh, like, what's your, what does it look like to be a residency or what do you treat? Explained it to him. I wasn't like, oh, how could you not know? Oh, I can't believe human doctors don't know. Like when I explained it to him, he was like, oh, it's so cool. It's like, just like us. He just had never been exposed to it. I get told all the time. And this includes my family members. Like when I first started to do this, they're like, I didn't even know about neurodermatologists existed. I guess, I guess I kind of flipped that to say, they just may have never heard of it. You know, like it's didn't have a lot of animals. Maybe their primary vet never tried to refer them to veterinary dermatologists. I have clients who come in and say, wish we knew that you guys existed before. So I'm not saying there's not people out there who still won't be mean and say like, you're not a real doctor. Like obviously there's things out there, but when we're always on the defensive, like if we're always like, oh, how could you say that? How could you not know? Like there's so much stuff I don't know. I don't even know sometimes. Like we have friends, I have friends who are medical doctors and I'm like, was the differentships between like your fellowship? You do like two fellowships and a resident, like I don't really follow it. So I just try to flip my mindset that if I can educate people, um, including the general public on what we do. So I think there's a way that you can be offensive as far as teaching people about our industry, teaching people, you know, what we do so that they can understand our value. Like if we want to be financially successful as veterinarians, like you just need to make sure that you're understanding the value. If you're always defensive, like someone's like, well, this test, you know that, and you're like, well, that's just what it is. Or don't you appreciate me? Versus like, yeah, I totally understand. These tests can cost a lot, but hopefully we'll get the answer from that test and get you set up for the next, you know, the treatment plan that's gonna keep your dog comfortable for the rest of their lives. And we may have some hiccups, but we'll manage those together. Like if you just go on the offensive rather than the defensive, it's just that mindset has made me a lot happier being so open on social media because I've had my own times where people in the vet community have even gone after me, you know, because I paid off my student loans and people were like, how could you do that? That's, there's no way that you could understand my situation and why I can't do that. And when they didn't know was when we paid them off, I was seven months pregnant. I was lecturing all the time to make extra money. I was doing the beach body stuff. We were budgeting really tightly. And I made those choices and everyone's choices can look different, but to have something really positive out there 
by my own community. And most people are super like, that's amazing and inspiring. But to have some people say like, how could you, you don't understand my situation because I just shared that it was possible was hard. So I still have people, you know, that come after me and again, flipping that mindset of saying, well, all the people who did see when we hear these rumors that it's not possible to pay off debt, that it's not possible to be happy in our field. I would never teach my daughter to want to be a veterinarian. If I could look back on it, I wouldn't do it. If you flip that mindset to say, you know what, we actually have a pretty darn amazing field. We have such a close community and we should support each other. Even though some people are going to probably rise more than we did or have different priorities, that's okay. And so again, offensive, not defensive. I love that. I love that about you. And if it makes you feel better, I too got backlash for saying I paid off my loans. Like, yeah, it's sad. Like, I totally feel you. It's the same thing that if we had a client come in and, you know, start going into us, we shouldn't be doing that to our own community. That's not just loans. That's anything, you know? Right. There's always someone who's got a tougher situation. Like I know single moms striving to pay off their uh, vet loans right now. That's just a choice they made. And that's okay if that's not for everybody to do that so aggressively, but we should just support each other. And that if that's a choice you made, that's an amazing thing. If you chose to go to general practice right after school, that's an amazing thing. And we need amazing general practitioners out there. I have friends who are amazing general practitioners. It's okay that they didn't decide to go to more school to specialize. It's okay that I did. If we don't support ourselves, like how are we going to really get the community to recognize that we are an amazing field? Hey, great. I'm just going to give you a little round of applause over here. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of the DVM Divas podcast. I know what you're thinking. Wait, Anne. Where's the hack? Where's the win? What about the fail? Don't fret, it is coming. While editing this podcast, I quickly realized that length was going to be difficult. So instead of cutting it and leaving out a lot of wonderful material, we decided to do our first ever part one and part two. So be on the lookout for our next release. Not only will we finish our interview with Dr. Bourgeois, we will also have Melissa and Maria join in. And we will, as always, have our hack, win, and fail to share with everyone. And you know the drill. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. If you like listening to interviews and you know of someone in the veterinary industry who would be a great guest, please drop us a line on any one of our social media profiles. We're wishing you all the best this holiday season, and thank you again for listening.